Proverbs this evening, the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be in chapter 30 tonight. I want to bring a message to you tonight uh, that's going to, um, a little different, I would say. Um, it's something that I, I see as be, being a bit fun. Uh, it's an interesting study as we look at, at God's creation and how it applies into our life. And like I said, it's, it's a two-part sermon, guys, so we're not in a hurry. I'll take my time, and I'll remember tonight that that clock is not right. And uh, I, I went long last week, and one of the reasons I went long is I kept looking at the long hand of that clock, and I'm like, oh, we're doing fine, man. And I look back up, oh, we're still doing fine, and oh, here we go, you know, and I thought, that thing hasn't moved yet. Proverbs in chapter 30, looking at verse 29 through 31, uh, the Bible tells us, there be three things which go well, yea, four are comely in going, a lion which is strongest among beasts, and turneth not away, verse 31, a greyhound, and a he-goat also, and a king against whom there is no rising up. I want to speak to you on this topic tonight. It's a topic I think that is applicable in life. It's applicable in our spiritual life, our secular life, our physical life, our emotional life. And that is a topic of go well and how to go well in the life that we have today. And uh, so we're going to look at this verse here tonight. We're going to break it down for the next two weeks. And uh, we're going to uh, just see how we can apply it into our life. So, beloved, there are some attributes that are in the animal kingdom which are used by God. And uh, when we apply them in our life, it brings benefit, it brings blessing to our life uh, uh, in one way or another. And we're learning from, from God's creation, from, uh, you know, from the animal kingdom. And we've seen throughout Scripture how the Lord has used uh, the ant, you know, and uh, his work ethic, how we can apply that in our life. I mean, uh, we know very clearly that God is not a, a supporter of the slothful or the sluggard or the lazy, if you will. So he uses the ant as, a, as an example of what our earth, our work ethic should be. And as well as the eagle, uh, the eagle we find in her wisdom. And the list could go on and on and on of what the Lord uses in his creation of how we can apply it into our life. So since we have the same creator, these innate abilities in the animal kingdom, uh, in their world, have to be taught and applied in ours. You see, that's one of the greatest difference between animals and mankind is, uh, is, is that what they possess instinctively, we have to learn and we have to apply. We don't have instincts, we have a conscience. Animals do not have a conscience, they have instincts and they are innate in their abilities. So in order for us to keep moving in our life, moving forward, if you will, in order for us to go forward, in order for us to go well, in the world that the Lord has placed us in, we need to develop these types of qualities and, and these characteristics in our life. And so one of the verses that I'm going to use this evening just by way of a springboard, we're going to stay in Proverbs 30 the whole time, uh, but I want to see what Paul says. The Apostle Paul says concerning going forward, he said of himself, he says, brethren, I count on myself ha uh, to have apprehended. Now what that word means, apprehended, means to arrive. Paul's saying, I, listen, I'm no, I'm no better than you are. I haven't, I haven't reached a state of perfection. I haven't, I haven't arrived. I'm not the man with the plan, with, you know, with the pocket comb. That's not me. He's not saying that. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when we look at Paul's life, and I've taught... Many, many years on the, on the Apostle Paul's life. It's online. If you guys ever wanted to, to listen to it, it is very, very long. It was a year and a half lesson that I taught here. It was five years, four months, and, and uh, five days, I think it was, when I first taught it uh, back in Tennessee. 
Uh, it, it's, it's something that I got caught up in. I love studying the life of Paul. He is by far uh, my hero, if you will. But I say this to say, I say all that to make this point. We look at Paul's life and we look at how great of a Christian, there's no other Christian greater that, that's lived than the Apostle Paul, okay? And uh, you know, Jesus Christ obviously is Jesus Christ. He, you know, you wouldn't call him a Christian because we're living like Christ, all right? But Paul was the greatest Christian. And you say, well, what's the formula? What is the secret to his success? It is, was it his knowledge? He was above beyond knowledge than most people. Was it his education? He was above and beyond most people's education. Was it his power, preeminence, position, all the things that he had, uh, you know, in the forefront? Was it any of those things? And it was none of those things. Paul gives us the answer in that verse. This one thing, <laughs> one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You see, guys, one of the things that we struggle with in our life, especially in our modern day, our Christian world today, and especially how everything is so in front with us today, is that we look at what happened last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, uh, when I was a child or when I was a teenager or when I was an adult, whatever it may be, we look at those things and we hold on to them like this. And we say, well, here, I'm going to go forward. I want to go this way. I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to be a Christian. I want to be successful. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get married. I want to be a mom, a dad. And then, but we're doing this. And you'll never be able to be successful at any of these things in front of you if you're holding on to what used to be. Paul's secret was this, the one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind. But when he forgot the things which are behind, that cut him free to do what? Reach unto those things which are before, and to press unto the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He gives us the basic formula. It's not the prize of being, you know, the, having all the blue ribbons in the world or, or being a world champion or all these things that the world offers. He says, I want the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the method right there. So we want to go well in our life. And we can learn these qualities of what these animals in the animal kingdom that God has perfectly given them to us for that particular reason, for us to learn from them and how we can apply it into our life and how it relates to you and I today. But you'll never be able to put those into your life if, number one, you don't forget what's behind. Number two, if you don't reach before. And number three, if you don't press. If you don't press. Press means to be strenuously moving, to work, to strive in a great, great way. So, beloved, our world today is filled with lies and hypocrisy. The world that we live in, guys, the world that we, uh, that we, that we just were part of every single day, most people, and, and I know this is going to sound very dismal, and I don't want, I'm trying not to be that way, but most people, you cannot trust them in their word. You can't. Most people. You say, well, why is that? I just, it is what it is. It's today's culture. People will say things today not intending them. They don't mean it uh, to be uh, untrustworthy. They just are. They're very undependable today. But that has no relation on us and how we can take what we learn from the animal kingdom, forget those things which are behind, reach reach uh, toward those things which are before, and press toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, Bob, one of the first things that we need to do, we must have a desire and a determination to stand. And I know it sounds like the second week that I'm preaching on standing. I get that. But what we find here in verse 30 um, of our text, what we see here in verse 30, uh, the Bible says there be three things which go well, yea, four are comely in going. And he says in verse 30, 
A lion, which is strongest among the beasts, and turneth not away for any. You know what that is? That's boldness tonight. The strength of a lion. Pastor Ellis, the man who led me to the Lord, who ordained me, who sent me out to preach, always said that if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. And so many today, so many souls today are, are not only falling away from the truth, but they're, they're falling prey to the lies of this world. The greatest trick that the devil ever played on mankind was to convince mankind that he did not exist. If there is no devil, then there is no God. If there is no evil, then there is no righteous. Solomon says this in Proverbs 28.1. He says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's my life verse for not wanting to run. The wicked. The, the wicked are the ones that flee when no man pursueth. I'll, I'll run when people chase me. You understand? I'm just joking just a bit. But he says that the wicked flee when no man pursueth. They're frightened. They're fearful. They're not willing to stand. And it takes a backbone, guys. And this, this is certain, this is sure. And I mean, one of the first sin, the first sin upon this earth um, was a result because someone refused to stand upon the truth. Guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, have, I, I have very little problem standing on the truth. And, but I, this is not my first rodeo. I've been around for a while. I'm a bit seasoned. Um, you know, my skin's a little thicker, guys. I'm going to stand on the truth if, whether I'm the only one that does it, okay? I'm not interested in fitting in the crowd. I'm, you know, I'm not interested in blending in. I don't need to get all the invitations to this party map. I don't need any of those things. What I need is to stand upon the truth of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I have no problem doing that. But the very first sin in this world was when someone refused to stand on the simple truth of the Word of God. That serpent showed up, who we know as Satan, the most subtle beast in all the field, came up and, you know, Eve walked over to that tree and he said, Yea, hath God said? He questioned the Word of God. Yea, hath God said that thou mayest eat of, of all the trees that are in the garden? He removed one word, God said freely. And he did say you could eat of all the trees in the garden, except that one, okay? You see, where God puts a comma, Satan puts a full stop. Remember that, guys. Partial verses are going to be a result of Satan's tactics. You see, he said that you could eat of every tree. He just limited us to where we couldn't, they couldn't eat of that one. And ultimately, you know, they denied the Word of God. She dabbled with the Word of God. And, and the temptation to skirt around the truth, rather than just saying, nope, we can't eat of this tree right here. She says, hang on a second. You know, he says, we, he said, we, we may eat freely of the trees, but, but the tree of good knowledge uh, of evil, good and evil, we can't, we can't eat of this tree. Neither can we touch it. That was where Satan knew he had her. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, 17, God said, never, he never said anything about touching it. He said, don't eat of it. Now, I understand that common sense probably tells you if you shouldn't eat it, you probably shouldn't touch it either, but you cannot change the word of God. Do you understand? Soon as she dabbled with the word of God, Satan knew he had her. And he says, thou shalt surely not die. He denied the word of God, and therefore she took of the fruit. He ate, and the one who didn't have a backbone was Adam. The one who didn't stand, the protector and provider of his wife. She gave also to her husband, and he did eat also. You see, beloved, there, there are some things that we need to do in our life Things that we need to do, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's at the gym, whether it's at the restaurant, whether it's at the coffee shop, whether it's at home, at church, we need to stand with the strength of that lion, have boldness in our life.
There's an old saying that's it's attributed to Socrates. It's unsupported, but nevertheless, it says, when the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the losers. If you ever notice, when men begin to lose their ability to stand upon truth, they revert to getting loud and they revert to attacks. You mark it down, beloved. Those men, uh, whether it's in the pulpits or whether it's in the pews, are those who have uh, little causes and soapboxes, and they're ranting about this and ranting. They all got their tick list and where to part the hair, what tie to wear, all of these different things. Two different sins, hiding behind the curtain of separation and standards. You know, guys, they have a deeper issue within them. They have an appearance of standing for the truth, but they're not. They stand firm on the social media, but they won't stand firm on the truth of the word of God. They simply cannot go well in this world. They're not bold. The beloved boldness of a lion standing upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ is not, and not backing down when times get tough is what we're talking about tonight. Beloved, we must go well in standing upon the truth for the sake of souls. Somebody may ask me, why are you so adamant about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are you so adamant about, about uh, uh, anti-Calvinism, uh, whatever it may be? I mean, what, why, why are you so adamant on the free will, the acceptance of Jesus Christ and his gift? Because that is the truth tonight. The truth will set you free, the Bible tells me. And I'm going to stand on the truth no matter where anybody else in this world does. I'm going to stand on it. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now, the last time I checked and the last time I read that verse right there was three seconds ago, it didn't say everyone that was called. It didn't say everyone that was chosen out of a group. It didn't say everyone that was white. It didn't say everyone that was black. It didn't say everyone that was in Wales or in Germany. It says everyone that believeth. That's the stipulation today. They're saved and born again. For the sake of souls, I'm going to stand on the truth. Beloved, we, if we want to go well in standing upon the truth tonight, we need to do so for the sake of the Scripture. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 14, Stand therefore, having your, learns, your loins girt about with truth and have it on the breastplate of righteousness. We understand Ephesians 6. We understand that is the, uh, that is the, uh, the armor, the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to fight against the devil and quench the fiery darts of the devil. Amen? That first one, talking about truth, having your loins girt about with truth. You know what that is? That's your stability. Years ago, I... Uh, <laughs> in our first church, you know where I'm going, don't you? In our first church, we preached a, a series on, um, on the whole armor of God. And uh, I titled that thing, The Whole Armor of God Through the Eyes of a Linebacker. Okay, linebacker is an American college football, uh, American uh, football position. That's what I played in, in uni. And I brought my pads in, my helmet in, my spikes in, my gloves in. I wanted to put my, my trousers on. She wouldn't let me do it, okay, which I don't blame her. It probably wouldn't have fit very well at that time anyway. But when I opened that thing up, I got into the position that a linebacker would be in, and it's just like this. It's an athletic position. You hear me say it all the time in our warm-ups. Loins girt about with truth. I'm in a position here. I'm ready. But too many of us are walking around not ready and can be toppled over because we're not standing on truth. For the sake of the Scripture, I'm going to sink my heels into the ground. And stand upon truth. Denise and I had walked to the gym yesterday, and I was looking around, and uh, I, ha I have a couple absolute pet hates in, in, in public gyms. One is the clanging of the machine weights. 
I absolutely, they're not meant, meant to be claimed, okay? It doesn't make, you're not working harder. You're working less. Drives me nuts. Number two is when people don't clean up after themselves. That drives me literally batty, okay? But I was sitting there thinking how much I disliked the weight sitting on the floor that somebody had left on there, and I believe 140 kilo on the Smith machine. And I got looking around at everybody in the gym except for the old, 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 old people. Now, when I say old, old, I mean way older than me. Those guys, okay, I got to make that stipulation nowadays. Everybody else in that gym had headphones on, earbuds or something, completely oblivious to what was going on around them. And I thought to myself, had that mentality been common in the gyms 25 years ago, we wouldn't be married tonight. You see, we're married tonight because I walked up to her on a machine and said, can I work in with you? If she had ear things shoved in her ear, she'd have never heard me. We live, guys, in a world that is suffering from communication. We, we live in an incommunicable world. People are in a box today, and they don't want to get out of that box. I'm saying that, guys, and I'm making the point here of standing on the truth for the sake of the Scriptures tonight, for the sake of souls tonight, because we need to stand upon truth, guys. And even those world, those people that are shutting the world off around them, it's going to be our job to break that mold down. You know, you can't always go, hey, you all right? It may scare them at first. They may try to figure out why is this creepy guy tapping on my shoulder right now. I'm trying to get your attention is what I'm trying to do, right? For the sake of the Scripture, stand on the truth. Beloved, we must go well in standing upon the truth for the sake of sin. Paul said in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We must stand as a believer, as a Christian. Uh, the primary characteristic in order to go well is to stand. Peter and John understood this, guys. When they, when they were commanded not to teach in the name of Jesus, their response was, was, was simply this, for we cannot but speak the things which we have had seen and heard. How can we close these things up? Even in the midst of adversity, during horrible times and strenuous times and dangerous times, I promise you this this evening, if you will stand upon truth, God's will will work out in your life. So not only do we see we need to have the strength of a lion, the men love the lion part, okay? This is the part, this is the bit that men's like, yeah, I want to roar like a lion, king of the jungle, that's going to be me. But not only are we to be bold and stand to go well, but guys, we're to be swift. Verse 31, the first part says a greyhound. Right. Yeah, again, men love verse 30. As men, we, we love the idea of standing. We love the idea, uh, you know, even though some men's view of standing today is uh, quite skewed. But, but we love the mighty lion, the king of the jungle, the one that turned away not from anything at all. But standing is not the only characteristic that is required to go well. Swiftness of a greyhound is included, and this is where our speed is found. Our grace, we'll call it. It's not just fast, swift. Swift is defined as happening quickly or promptly, and it shows up 20 times out of 19 verses in the Bible. I want to show you just a few verses where the word is associated, and I want you to listen to them. All of them are not positive, 
But I want you to understand to see where this word swift ties into our life. Job 9, 26 says, They are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteneth to the prey. All right? Proverbs 6 and 18 says, A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to run into mischief. Isaiah in chapter 30 and verse 16 says, But ye said, No, for we will flee upon the horses, therefore shall ye flee, and we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. That's the verse that shows up twice. And then there's Romans 3, Romans 3 verse 15. Very negative. Their feet are swift to shed blood. You say, well, you're telling me that we got to be swift like a great... No, I'm telling you that Solomon says in Proverbs today that we are to be swift. And this is, this is how we find the word swift. It's associated with what type of animals or people? Predators. It's associated with an attack. It's associated with speed. It's associated even with the tongue. Those of you who uh, listened to the, uh, the midweek service on communication, it was for three weeks. James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a, uh, a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Our swiftness is not in the sword, even though we find it predatorial. It is not hasty decision or loud attacks by words to tear others down, but our swiftness is found, listen carefully to this, in our reaction. How does all that tie into swiftness that we need to apply? James also says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Slow to wrath. But what, what we say, and even how we say it, can make the difference in a person's life. I remember, of course, Bailey works at a coffee shop now, but a couple of our other children were applying for jobs in a coffee shop years ago. And one of our boys was like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know here and there. And I said, well, see, this is what I want you to I said, if you choose, if you want to get that job, Here's what I want you to think about. Loads of people go into a coffee shop every day. The numbers are staggering. If you ever look at the statistics of how many people pop into a coffee shop or a drive-thru, the numbers will blow your mind, especially when they said we were in a recession and people still buying five-pound coffee. Really? What big recession we were in now, wasn't we, huh? Uh, but anyway, I said, what you have when you serve that coffee, when you wait on someone, and this is true with anybody who works in the public, is you have the power to make a difference in their life. And it may only be for a minute, maybe for a moment, maybe for an hour, it may be for a week, it may be for the rest of their life. You have the power to change their life and even their destination. What we say and how we say it, guys, sometimes not only makes a difference in a person's life, it makes a difference in their eternity. The Bible tells us in Proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So I'm here to say tonight, as we look, these are the only two points we looked at this evening. If you want to go well in life as a Christian, as a child of God, as a believer tonight, it's going to take some boldness in your life. I said this this morning. I believe I said it last night or last week. Those who conform and comply, they're never respected. 
Those who just, you know, fall in, fall in line with the way things go, go with the flow of, you know, no matter whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, yeah, well, they told us to do it. I'm just going to go do that. They don't even, they're never respected, even from the ones who are doing the same. I mentioned when we preached on Esther or from Esther a couple of weeks ago. Remember Mordecai? Now, am I the only one that pictures Mordecai as being a short Jewish guy? He was a Jewish guy, we know. But I just picture him being short. I have no idea why. I just see him as this short little guy. Maybe from the movie that I watched, he was a short little guy. But I picture him being short. Every one of the, other, every one of the people in that entire province, when Haman walked out, they took a knee and they bowed. Not Mordecai. It wasn't his physical stature, it wasn't his education, it wasn't his knowledge, it wasn't his prestige, it wasn't his preeminent, it wasn't any type of position that he had. It was only simple fact that I'm not going to bow to a man because it's against Scripture. I'm not going to bow to you because it's against what the Word of God says. Nothing personal, Haman. I know Haman became the enemy of the Jews after that. I know it kicked off an onslaught to where he was going to try to extinguish every single one. I understand that, but at the end of the day... There's nothing personal. He goes, I'm just going to honor my God. I'm going to stand and be bold. And under the same, guys, guys, we can be bold. We can stand upon the truth of the word of God. But we can be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. These are the things in this life, guys, that truly and really enable us to go well. Because true strength tonight is really not found in the gym True strength is not found in how loud you can get. True strength is not found in how active you can be. Truth strength is found in the temperance you can hold in your life. We've all heard of tempered steel. Tempered steel is molded to a certain degree, a very high temperature, and it's molded to that position. It's molded into that shape. A prime example of that are the old engines. Uh, uh, you guys know what a dipstick is? You know, you know everybody's, you know, you, know, you got to pull it out of your car. You got, actually, we're tested on it here only. Where's your dipstick? How do you check your oil? Well, Ford used to make these, Dabbath knows this. Ford, there used to be these, these, they're called Windsors. They were, depending on where they were made. But then you'd pull this dipstick out, and you would pull it out like this, because it was about 90 feet long, it felt. But it was always shaped to the crankcase. And so when you bought a Ford-made, Ford-manufactured dipstick, it was shaped with that tempered steel, and it could reach up to high, high, uh, high uh, temperatures and never, never, never break. But if you decided to check your oil at the service station and set that dipstick over there and, and then decided to drive off and you left it, you'd have to buy an aftermarket one, one that was made cheaply, if you will. And you stick it inside that crankcase, and then when you checked your oil, all of a sudden you pull out this one big, long, huge no shape on it at all. And you know why? Because it could not withstand the temperature. You know what it did, guys? It lost its temper. When we lose our temper, when we lose our swiftness to hear, we're actually revealing how weak we are, not how strong we are. Our strength is found in our tempers. Our strength is found in being swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Our boldness is found when we stand upon the truth of the Word of God, despite what everybody else is doing, despite what tick list everybody has, despite what some people holds up as being right, wrong, or indifferent, despite any of those things, you stand upon the truth of the Word of God. Be bold for the truth, but swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. That's the first two steps in order to go well. Will you bow your heads tonight?
Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the time this evening for this word. We pray tonight that you please would allow this word to, to sink into our heart, into our mind, our soul. May how, allow it to make a difference in our days. And I pray as we depart one another here uh, shortly, I ask you, dear Lord, that we would not soon forget what we've heard. And as we go to bed tonight and wake up in the morning, should you allow that to happen? Father, I pray that if you will, please help us make a difference in the lives of someone else tomorrow, not only by being bold and standing upon the truth, but being swift to hear. Because, Lord, sometimes people just need, they just need an ear to hear. They just need someone to talk to. And I pray we be those people. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. And amen. I hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God um, is a blessing to your heart tonight.